Amen. Amen. Well, isn't it good to worship the Lord together? Man, I just love it. It's so good to hear people singing. It's been great to, uh, to have these last couple weeks together again. And I hope and pray that we get to continue in uh, forward motion like this. This is good. Well, it wouldn't be a sermon by, uh, with, with me preaching if I didn't bring you some jokes. And these are given to me, thank you, Nathaniel, not by a church member, but by someone that found out somehow that I do terrible jokes at the beginning of my sermons. And they want to enable me. I mean, encourage me. So, so they sent some jokes. So here they are. I just bought 50 cartons of 2% milk and mixed it all together to get 100% milk, and now my bones are indestructible. <clears throat> I used to work in a Russian napkin factory in the 80s. I was part of the Soviet Union. Some of you might not be old enough to understand that joke. I just signed up for my jobs, 401k. I'm a little nervous because I've never run that far. Again, some people that don't understand RSPs and 401ks are important. But uh, it's so good. It's so good to be together today. Have you ever been in a situation that you thought was a sure thing, that, you, that there was no chance of it failing, but somehow, some way, it failed. You didn't get the profit or the gain or, the, or whatever it is that you were expecting. You just didn't get it. When I was younger, I was working in the oil field, and I, uh, I had a decent wage. I had a roommate helping with rent, and I had uh, some pretty good disciplines with, with finances. And uh, I also learned at an early age the importance of tithing. And so I think all those things combined I had uh, good disciplines, I had a good job, I'd been working since I was 12, whether it was part-time or full-time, I've been employed since I was 12, unless I was at Bible college or on a missions trip, and I, uh, I honored God with my finances. So uh, all those things combined, I, I had a little bit of a nest egg, uh, always a little bit of money in the bank account, because you never know when the latest video game is going to drop and you're going to have to buy it or going to need to buy a new bike or whatever, right? So, so I had a little bit of cash set aside. And so I was working on the field. I heard about this company that was undervalued in their stocks. Their stocks were valued here, but they should have been valued about here. So, so I heard about this company and some other guys were talking about it and they, they, they thought they were going to go ahead and buy some of their stock. And they said, Mike, you should buy some too. You know, they're talking like triple, 10 times the value return for profit. I'm like, hey, that sounds pretty good. I could put some money towards that. I could sell it, sell the stock when it jumps up. I could buy myself a nice summer car. I could buy a motorbike. Who knows what I would do, right? I, was ex- I, I thought that Sounds like there's some good potential there. So I decided I'd buy some. Put some money into the stock, and it was a nerve-wracking couple of months. It was just up and down, up and down, up and down, and I was checking the stock like daily, four times a day, and stressing me out, so I stopped looking at it for a while, and, 
And, uh, and, and inevitably, it's settled on this trend, on this downward trend. And it went down, and down, and down, and down. But you don't lose money until you sell, right? And so, sitting there waiting, buy low and sell high, I'll just wait it out. I'll just wait. Eventually, it's going to go back up, and I'm going to sell high, and I'll get to buy that nice summer car, convertible, sports car, whatever it is. I'll get to do that, because I'll sell it high. Well, after a couple of years, I sold out, and I bought myself a nice, shiny, red cup of coffee. Yep. It, but maybe you've been there too. Not with a stock necessarily, but in different situations in life. Maybe you put an offer in on a house and you thought, for sure, we're going to get this house. We need this house. It's the perfect location for us. We put in the best offer, but for sure no one else put in that kind of an offer. When we're not even crazy with our conditions, we got this house for sure, but you didn't get it. Or you were a shoe-in for a job. You thought, definitely, I am qualified for this. I'm qualified enough, but not too overqualified. I'm qualified enough. I don't see any other resumes on the desk. I had a great interview. I'm definitely going to get this job. But you didn't get it. Or maybe you were training for an event. You were in a competition, and you, so you trained for it. You disciplined yourself. You had a great diet. You had great training program. You sacrificed on social events so that you could do your best at this competition. And you nailed it. You thought, definitely, this is finally all paying off. I did my best. I nailed it. I'm going to get first place. But the judges didn't agree, and you didn't get first place, and you were devastated. You know, we go through these situations in life, and they're all sad and disappointing, but none of these is as comparable to the scripture that I'm going to talk about this morning in the sermon. So I want to preach to you about what is probably the scariest scripture I've ever read. Before we get there, though, we're going to pray. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, that even though it is scary at times, Lord God, you do provide revelation, you provide more insight, and that you don't want us to be afraid of your word, but Lord, you use your word to speak to us so that we can step up to the plate, we can rise to the occasion, Lord, and we can be the best examples of you that we can be. And so, Lord, we ask that you would use your word this morning to equip us, to challenge us, and to encourage us. In Jesus' name, amen. So our scripture today is found in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 through 23. And the title of my sermon today is Lip or Legit. You'll understand why in a minute. Matthew 7, verse 21 through 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. <coughs> on, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name, drive out demons in your name, and do many miracles 
in your name. Then I will announce to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. So let's take a look at the list of things that they thought qualified them in the last couple of verses. They, well, first of all, they started off by saying, Lord, Lord. And that's what, in effect, we are doing when we say the sinner's prayer. We are saying Jesus is Lord. And so if we've said the sinner's prayer, then we're just like them. Secondly, they prophesied in the name of Jesus. Now, prophecy is, is great, but it can't be done unless you can hear from the Lord. You need to be able to hear from God to give prophetic words effectively. So these people were hearing from God as well. Third thing that they point out is that they drove out demons in the name of Jesus. Now to drive out demons in the name of Jesus, it's not just about saying the sinner's prayer. It's not just about um, hearing the voice of God, but it's understanding the authority that we carry and the identity that we have as as uh, brothers and sisters with Christ, co-heirs with Christ, as new creations in Christ. And so they had that understanding as well. And fourthly, they also did many miracles in the name of Jesus. Now again, this is done as an outworking of their understanding. So they understood their authority that they had in Jesus. They understood where the position that they had in this world because of Christ, okay? And so they, they leveraged that. They walked in the authority that they had. Now, what's significant is that they also say many miracles, many miracles. Now, I've seen God use me for miracles, but I wouldn't say that I've performed, uh, that God's used me to perform so many miracles that I would say many miracles. You know what I'm saying? Like, I've done some, but not many. So I've long been confused and even intimidated and maybe even a little leery and afraid of this verse at times because I just didn't understand what God was saying in this verse. I pray that I'm never found in the company of those that, that say all these things and yet don't qualify to enter the kingdom of heaven. I pray that no one here is in, that, in the, is in that crowd either. I pray that everyone here is in the kingdom of heaven with Jesus. Because according to that list, I, I can easily fall into that crowd of, I did this, I did that, I did this for you, but I, yet I don't qualify. Okay, so we're still not sure what's really being said. We gotta dig a little bit deeper. Now, the NIV translates verse 23 just a little bit differently. And it says there, Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evil doers. Now, I don't want to be an evildoer. And I assume by you being here that you don't want to be an evildoer either. Okay? So let's compare the two groups of people that Jesus talks about. Let's see what we can see. So the differences that I notice in those two groups of people, it's pretty obvious. Number one, we have people that uh, claim to know Jesus, but they are breaking the law or they are evildoers. And then we have another group of people, the one that will enter the kingdom of heaven. And 
they do know Jesus, and they aren't evildoers. They aren't breaking the law, okay? And those will enter the kingdom of heaven. A true disciple of Christ will not simply have a ministry of the gifting of the Holy Spirit. You know, in, when we went through 50 Days in the Spirit, we, we talked about this. Uh, actually, we had Pastor Mark Hughes from, from Winnipeg preach about how it's not just about the gifting. Samson had the gifting, but he didn't have the character of God. Samson had the ability, abilities and power in the Holy Spirit, but it's not just about gifting. It's so important that the fruit of the Spirit is evidenced in our lives as well, right? The fruit is more important than the gifting. If we lack the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, then we lack, then we're missing it. We're missing what Christ died to give us. He died to save us from hell and to change our character by making us new creations. He didn't die simply to give us parlor tricks. I believe that Jesus is honored more when we demonstrate the kingdom of God through the fruit of the Spirit, through the character of the kingdom, than when we demonstrate it through the gifting of the Holy Spirit that's been given to us. Imagine with me a situation Okay, so let's say this morning someone is happily serving the church in a volunteer capacity, and they're, in order to respect, respect the rules and regulations of the time, they have a mask on, they're, they're not shaking hands, they're not hugging, and, and someone comes in after not seeing them for, for months and months, because we haven't been able to be together for months and months, okay? So someone comes in and wants to give them a hug, and the volunteer says, sorry, I, I can't right now. And... And instead of, so, so some, some of the possible responses could have been, oh, you know, I'm sorry, I forgot, you're right, yeah, man. I, I can't wait for the day to give you a hug, that'll be great. Another possible response would be, oh, you, oh this is, this sucks. Man, I just wish we could hug. Or another possible response of, oh, you know, it's, I can't wait for the day when we get to just be normal again. But, but instead of those responses, let's say a person says, it's a shame you're living in fear and not in faith. Now imagine with me, that's not a made-up scenario. But that actually happened last week here. That person skipped right over compassion and resorted to character defamation. And thankfully, I don't know who that person was and I don't want to know. But church, that is not acceptable. That's not Christ-like. That's not loving. That's not demonstrating the fruit of the Spirit. That's demonstrating the fruit of this world. I see no fruit in that response. Regardless of what we believe about masks and regulations, we have no right to run anyone down like that. No one has any right to belittle someone like that. So we need to do better, church, because it's not about masks. It's about love and respect and honor. It doesn't matter how a person agrees or disagrees with us. We need to love and respect and honor them. 
And I think it's ridiculous that a thing like this can divide us, can divide the church. If this can divide us, how are we going to stay strong when a real issue comes in? When we get tripped up over this, There are lost souls out there who aren't going to be in the kingdom of heaven. And we're fighting over this. Shame on us. Shame on us. So let's come together in love, in unity, and in serving one another. Christ died for that. So how do we make sure we're part of the ones that are going to be in the kingdom of heaven? In verse 21, Jesus says, only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. So what is that? What is the will of the Father? Well, in typical Jesus fashion, he answers with a parable. Matthew chapter 7, 24, the very next verse, he answers that very question. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall. But because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, the exact same conditions, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. We need to have Jesus as our only foundation. We need him to anchor every area of our lives so that we are safe and secure no matter what life throws at us. When we find ourselves in crisis, when the rains come, when the streams rise up, when the winds blow and beat against our houses or our lives, we need to make sure to have every area of our house on the secure foundation that is Jesus Christ. Can I get a volunteer to come up? Someone that is just willing to be, have a little fun tonight, today, this morning, not tonight. One volunteer. You got, all you got to do is sit down. Come on up, Leanne. Give Leanne a hand. Thank you for coming, Leanne. Can you take a seat, please? Just, no, just sit down. Just sit down. Funny, funny. I'm the one telling the jokes. Okay. Feel secure? Feel good? Okay. Can you get up now? 
Thank you. Now, can you take a seat again? Are you sure? You don't want to. No, I'm good. Why not? You don't want to take a seat? Okay, thanks, Leon, for coming up. Every area of our foundation needs to be secure. She wasn't going to sit on that. And if we're not going to sit on a chair that's not properly secured, why on earth would we have our life not properly secured on the foundation of Jesus Christ? The only way that that can be done is to make him Lord of every area of our lives. Absolutely every area. Not leaving any stone unturned. Every single aspect of our lives should not just be influenced by Jesus. You know, influencers are pretty popular nowadays. They're making money off of videos on YouTube and Instagram. Jesus is not an influencer, okay? He's not an influencer because their time in the sun is going to going to fade. They're not going to be an influencer at some point. Jesus is God incarnate. He's not a part of creation. He created creation. He was and he is and he is to come yet still. Okay? He is truly awesome. To give, to just simply let him speak into a situation or just let him voice his concern. If we really downplay it and just say, okay, I'll, I'll hear you out, Lord, on this situation, but not give him lordship in that area, then he doesn't reign in that area, and every area of our life isn't secure on his foundation. We need to take down those things that we're elevating that are more important in our eyes or in our hearts more important than Jesus. We need to take those down and put Jesus in those spots as Lord of every area. Will Jesus be your lip service Lord or your legitimate Lord? If we want to see real change in our lives and in the lives of those around us, Jesus needs to be Lord of every area of our life. See, those people that said, did we not prophesy? Did we not cast out demons? Lord, Lord, did we not do great miracles in your name? Jesus was their lip service, Lord. They said Jesus was their Lord, but they didn't live like Jesus was their Lord. Or as James says in James 1.22, do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. When we listen to the word and do not do what it says, we're deceiving ourselves, like those that we read about earlier. We also deceive ourselves when we say Jesus is Lord, but we don't make him Lord of every area of our life. Will Jesus be your lip service Lord or your legitimate Lord? Let me tell you in two Easy steps, how you can make Jesus your legitimate Lord. Okay, two easy steps. Because it's something every person needs to decide to do and actually do to make Jesus Lord. And even once Jesus is placed on that throne 
in our lives and in different areas of our lives. We need to make sure to keep him there. Make him Lord and keep him Lord of every area. So the first step, again, these are easy steps, but they're not easy, if you know what I'm saying. Easy to talk about, harder to do, okay? They're really simple, but because our flesh fights against us, they're going to be a little bit difficult. Our flesh fights against us when we try to make Jesus Lord of every area of our life. Maybe you'll feel resistance in, in thinking, oh, this is, this is stupid. This is, this is silly. Why would, I, why would I go and go and do that? Why would I make sure to do that? Maybe, maybe I'm even being a little unfair with people if I actually do this. You know, sometimes when I feel like God's challenging me to, to make him Lord in an area, because I'm not, I haven't let him be fully Lord in that area. Sometimes I get a little angry and I think, you're, you're asking me to give up something I don't really need to give up. It's my right or it's my privilege. Sometimes our flesh even makes us feel manipulated into thinking that, you know, I, it's masking itself as discernment. Oh, you know, this is discerning of spirits. I'm just so smart, right? So the first step in making Jesus Lord of every area of our lives is obedience. Obedience. It's not just for dogs and kids. It's for us as believers as well. As Christians, we need to obey what is said in God's word. From the beginning of Genesis to the end of Revelation, we can't just pick and choose psalms and letters that we like and verses that we like. We need to obey the Word of God. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. We need to be regularly reading the Word of God. We need to love. We need to be people of prayer. Also, we need to be obedient to the leading of the Holy Spirit when he leads us throughout our days. We need to be obedient to the call of God on our lives. We need to be obedient in those areas as well. Now, my biggest struggle in obedience with my flesh is my pride. I want to look good, but it's not about me. I want to be known as the, the pastor that gave really spirit-filled and wise words but if I'm doing my job properly, then I'm raising up individuals, and I'm empowering them and elevating them to do that very thing. I want my strengths acknowledged and highlighted. But as long as people are being encouraged and equipped, who cares who's doing it? I don't want to do silly things that are going to make me I don't want to do things that are going to make me look silly. But you know what? It blesses my kids so much when I can muster, like I can lay down my pride and do something silly for them. They just love it. I don't want to embarrass myself by, by telling you stories of when I failed or when I messed up. But that's when we connect the most. I don't want to show any weakness but it's in my weakness that he is strong. And my strength can't compare at all to any of his strengths. Can't compare at all. I can't let pride control me. I'll have failed Jesus 
you and myself if I do. And so we need to be obedient. Obedient to the Word of God, obedient to the leading of the Holy Spirit every day. The second step that we need to take to make Jesus Lord of every area of our lives is repentance. Repentance. And I know that that's not a very popular word right now, but I think it's a very important word right now. And repentance is coined in culture as a feeling of sorrow or remorse for wrongdoing. That's not what I'm talking about, though. What I'm talking about is the biblical definition of repentance that says it's to make a change of mind, heart, and action by turning away from sin and self and returning to God. In other words, when you miss being obedient, be repentant. When you miss being obedient, be repentant. When we are obedient and repentant, Jesus will be Lord of every area of our lives. We won't be ruled by our feelings, our culture, our insecurities, our thoughts, or our comfort zone. And all of those different stimuli want to dethrone Jesus in our lives. They want to be in control. They want to be Lord of our lives or idols. And we need to make sure to to keep them off the throne in our lives. They will be lords or idols, and they'll even lie to us and try to convince us that they are serving us. But the opposite is true. We still serve them when they are on the throne in our lives. Obedience and repentance are key in making and keeping Jesus Lord of every area of our lives. And so don't be one of the many that has Jesus as their lip service Lord. Be the one who makes Jesus Lord of every area of their life. When I went off course in my venture into the stock market, it's because I didn't pray about it. I didn't make Jesus Lord of that decision. I was Lord of that decision. And maybe he would have said, don't do it, Mike. Maybe he would have said, go for it, Mike, because it'll make a good illustration one day. I don't know. (laughs) But I was wrong because I didn't ask him to direct me. I was, I was being directed by greed. Will Jesus be your lip service Lord or your legitimate Lord? Do you want to get out of the ruts that you feel stuck in? Start with obedience. And when you mess up, be repentant. And start over again. And that cycle of obedience and repentance will lift you out of those ruts that you find yourself stuck in. Before we can obey, we need to know what to obey. So we need to be in his word. We need to be in prayer. And we need to know what he is saying. And so I'm going to end this sermon and I'm going to invite you to pray with me as, as I pray and ask Jesus where I'm not being obedient and where I'm not being repentant, if you would do that for yourself as well. To just sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to him 
Invite him to be Lord of every area of your life. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for all the relationships that you have given each and every one of us. For all the different things that you've given us to be stewards over. Our time, our eyes, our ears, our words. Father, we pray that you would help us to know how we can be more obedient. Because we want to be obedient to your word and to your leading. And Lord, when we're not being obedient, Holy Spirit, would you convict us? And would you show us how we can be repentant? We don't want you to be our lip service, Lord. We want you to be our legitimate Lord of every area of our lives. Amen. If you're hearing about Jesus being Lord for the first time and you're wondering what that really means, it's honestly as simple as ABC. It's admitting that you're a sinner, that you're not perfect. Not any one of us is. It's that the second step is believing that Jesus is Lord and Savior. And then C is choosing Him today and every day to be Lord and Savior. If you want to do that, then I would love to lead you in a prayer doing that. And if I could get the prayer ministry team to come forward for other prayer needs, because we want to see God glorified in your life. We want to see you get out of those ruts that you feel stuck in. And so if you have any prayer need at all, a health concern, you need wisdom, you're about to sink a bunch of money into a stock that's going to fail, anything like that, we'd love to pray with you so that you can seek God's wisdom and you can see God move in your life. We're going to close and, uh, uh, oh, uh, parents are dismissed. Sorry, I forgot about that. Parents dismissed to go get your kids. And we are going to close in a prayer. And we're going we're gonna to believe that God did something here today. And that those idols and those false gods in our lives have been dethroned. Because we, we're hungry for some change. Isn't that right? I am so hungry for some change in my life. And I really feel that God has poised living hope. The church in Estevan, not, I'm not saying Living Hope is the church in Estevan, but also the church in Estevan, that we are poised for some growth here. We are poised to see God move in really powerful ways. But we won't get there if we aren't obedient and repentant. So Lord, would you use us and speak to us in your word, and through your leading. Amen. As I said, if you want prayer, we'd love to pray with you. See God move in your life. And if you're doing well, praise the Lord. Have yourself a wonderful week.
and we will see you later. Hey, thanks so much for joining us this morning at Living Hope Community Church. If you love what we're doing and you want to partner with us as a ministry, you can go to livinghope-ca.org backslash give and choose a giving option that works best for you. Or if God did something in your life and you want to, we want to know about it. So if you can send us a quick email at amen at livinghope-ca.org. Again, thanks so much for joining us today. Have a great week.